Hello and welcome to the first Friday's podcast from the Ignite team. My name's Kieran. This month we welcome Anita Motha from CAFOD, the Catholic Agency for Overseas Development, which is the official overseas development charity of the Catholic Church in England and Wales. Anita tells us all about some of the things that she's got up to in the past, volunteering overseas, but also some of the things that CAFOD are doing right now. You can catch the show live every first Friday of the month on YouTube at 8pm UK time. Or you can catch up here on our podcast or again on YouTube. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy the show. So as I said, our first guest is Anita from CAFOD. CAFOD, of course, is an important part of parishes and schools across the country, helping us to help people in the developing world. And Anita joins me on the line now. Hello, Anita. Hi, nice to see you. It's good to see you too. Welcome. Thank you. How are you? How's um, lockdown and so on been for you so far? Is it all right? Everything's okay. Yes, you know, we, we're, we're in a very fortunate position, I feel, and I thank God every day for all the blessings that we have. Um, yeah, I know it's not easy for people. So, yeah, very grateful to be here and good to talk to you tonight. It's good to have you. So, um, first, just tell us a little bit about the role that you, you have with CAFOD, what, what exactly it is that you, you do at CAFOD at the moment. Absolutely. So um, I work on CAFOD's Young Adult Engagement. Um, so my official job title is Young Adult Programme Accompanier, which means I work with the 18 to 35 year old audience specifically. And I try to help teams across CAFOD look for exciting new ways to engage um, people who fall within that age bracket, much like you're doing, Kieran, um, with this lovely YouTube initiative um, of First Fridays. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my job. Great. Okay. So it sounds really interesting. It must be quite. It must be quite fun. Quite rewarding at times. But um, so a question we ask nearly all our guests is: sort of, Were you always a Catholic, and what, what was life like growing up? I was always a Catholic. Yes. Um, I've always been a Catholic. My family are from South India, from Chennai. Um, right, anyone really and yeah, I both my parents are Catholic. Probably everyone in my extended family is Catholic as well. So I was very much raised a Catholic. Um, and, you know, when I was young, I used to go to Mass every week. Um, I, I usually say I was taken to mass every week because, you know, that, that was just what we did. It was part of the norm. Um, but I think as I've gotten older, you know, moved away from home and things, um, yeah, my, my Catholic faith started to have a lot more meaning to me. I've, I guess, you know, I live, I've lived all over the world. Um, I've lived, I've grown up in Hong Kong. I've grown up in Dubai. I've grown up in the UK. Um, I've frequently visited um, family in Chennai as well. So I feel like in all those places that I've been, my Catholic faith has been 
one thing that's been a common a common feature and anywhere that I go in the world it's something that I can can find in people in places so yeah I, I've grown to appreciate my my faith as I've gotten older fantastic yeah so it sounds like you had a really sort of multicultural kind of upbringing a sort of a multicultural experience of the church as well and so you first got involved with kind of overseas development sort of stuff quite a few years ago. What was the what was the first country that you, you worked in then? So this was actually um, straight out of university. So I went to university in Newcastle and I was quite involved in the university chaplaincy there. Um, and that's where I got to learn a little bit more about um, international development work and how to put your faith into action. So I actually went on a gap year with an international development agency. Um, and as part of that gap year, we had a, a small trip to the Democratic Republic of Congo. Um, and for me, at the age of 21, going to the DRC was quite an eye-opening experience, even for somebody who had travelled a lot when I was younger as well, and, and to an extent felt that I'd had an experience of development in, in things that I've seen in places around the world. So, uh, yeah, whilst I was in the in the DRC, we, we specifically focused on looking at projects um, to do with governance and HIV and AIDS. So a lot of the work that, that I saw included elements of education within grassroots communities. So with the governance projects, it was educating people about the rights that they had on a very local yes. level, um, educating people about the power structures um, and how to make create change in, in their local areas. So that for me was was really inspiring to see um, real community action, people having their voices heard and making a difference in their own communities. And it, it was a similar thing with the, the HIV AIDS projects as well. There was a lot of education work done around the stigma of AIDS and you know how how people can rebuild their lives after having contracted the virus and, and break down that stigma and show that they're, they're living quite positive, inspiring lives as well. So, so it was just really interesting to see how grassroots community projects were able to identify the issues that were within their community and think about practical steps towards resolving those issues. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that was my very first experience. Gosh, and, and yeah, and there's a lot, lot there, and lot, and it's quite a lot of responsibility almost to be involved with that sort of thing at quite a young age as well. But it must be, I think, there's sort of almost a common thread there of kind of people's, people's dignity, people, you know, being having their rights, and people being respected as people, you know, in in all sorts of ways. That's really interesting. So you spent time in the DRC, and you spent time in other in other countries as well. I have. So um, I know I've mentioned India already and I've mentioned India as, um, you know, having visited there when I was younger. But I did, again, after after this DRC experience, after working a little stint as a school chaplain, um, I did go and take a longer term voluntary role with the Salesians of Don Bosco. 
Um, and I went to India, to South India, to the state of Karnataka and worked in Bangalore on uh, projects that were seeking to rehabilitate street children. Um, so that was everything from, you know, rescuing children from railway lines, from living on the streets, to trying to get them um, reunited with parents, reunited with family, to all the counselling services that are uh, offered in and around that, <coughs> working with Childline, who the Salesians of Don Bosco set up in the state of um, Karnataka and rolled out across India. Um, yes, it was really a, a, an eye-opening experience as well to, to get to get to see sort of how something like rehabilitating street children is is such a complex issue from right from the the work that you do with children directly um to all the advocacy work that needs to be done at government level at intergovernmental level um yeah so that was again another really eye-opening experience that i've had and i feel i feel privileged to have had these um experiences it's it's partly you know what's brought me to work for an aid uh, an agency like CAFOD mm. and to try and inspire people to think about acting in similar ways sure yeah that's really amazing yeah and there's so much look it's sort of multi-layered sort of approach to kind of helping people as well it's not just sort of giving them things there and then it's sort of securing stuff with government and so on for the future so that's yeah it's really remarkable um so what do you kind of find motivates you in 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 this kind of work because it take i think it must take a lot of sort of personal motivation to work in really difficult sort of circumstances like those and what do you think kind of motivates you to work for social action and work in that particular field that's a really good question um i think i am just really interested in trying to understand the situations that people live in um I think it's it's something that that you know we're called to do as Catholics, as Christians, as human beings, to have a, a deeper level of understanding of each other. And and particularly where there are people who are in some kind of in <coughs> excuse me, in some kind of need, you know, it's it's something that I'm just really interested in in trying to understand why that need is there and and what what we can do what role do i have in terms of responding to that need um is there anything i can do is there any is there anyone i know who can help um can i use my voice in some way to help a situation um you're right it is not always easy um and sometimes th there's this this sort of constant question in your head of am I making a difference or you know how can I make a difference in, in people's lives but I think that any first of all starting to understand the situation that another person is living in is the very first step to to understanding how you can respond to that need so yeah, sure. yeah. does that answer does yeah that answer? definitely definitely and I mean, would you what part would you say your your faith plays in in kind of in your work um i certainly think that that as as a catholic that's 
what we're called to do. We're called to have an understanding. Pope Francis has been talking about this more and more um, recently about, you know, a culture, having a culture of encounter uh, and really starting to have some kind of <clears throat> human understanding of each other. So I, I certainly think that that sort of theme runs through my motivations for wanting to work in this sector. But also I, I think I strive to do that outside of my professional life as well. You know, really, really try and put myself in somebody else's shoes. Um, at, and I appreciate that it's even harder to do when we're in, in lockdown as well. So I find, I find that that's the challenge. And, and sometimes I wonder, what, there must be, if, if Pope Francis is still talking to us about human fraternity and solidarity uh, uh, and having this culture of encounter within the context of a global pandemic, then, you know, there must be something that God is calling us to do in terms of this pandemic response as well. Sure. We're having a few troubles with your picture, but I think your sound is still coming through because I can hear your answers. Okay. Um, so, but anyway, we're, we're coming, we've only, only got one more thing to ask you anyway, which is, and um, there's some things um, that CAFOD are doing at the moment, some campaigns and so on. What, 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 what can we get involved with at the moment? Oh, what wonderful. Um, I, there are two things that I'd love for people listening into this call to get involved with. So firstly, as everyone knows, Lent is coming up um, and we have a walk for water challenge. So it's it's on our website, um, cafo.org.uk forward slash walk for water. Um, and we're encouraging people to walk 10,000 steps a day and to raise sponsorship for this. Um, as they walk in solidarity with people who struggle, who have to walk miles and miles and walk 10 hours a day, even to get water for themselves where water is scarce. So walk for water, that's something that you can get involved with now. Um, and the other thing that I've been, I've touched on a little bit is um, the, the pandemic and this kind of global response to the pandemic. So our latest campaign is called Reclaim Our Common Home, and you can find that on our website as well. So this year, the UK is playing host to two major political meetings, the G7 summit in the summer, and the global climate talks taking place in November. So we've got a petition that is live now, um, asking the UK government, asking the Prime Minister to play a leading role in ensuring that temperature rises are kept below 1.5 degrees um, so that this climate crisis doesn't get even more out of hand. Um, so we would love for people to go online and sign that petition and look at for more ways to get involved in the campaign through the year. Great, thank you. Well, Anita, it's been really fascinating hearing some of your experiences. That, that is all we've got time for with you this evening. But thanks very much for joining us. And thanks. hopefully we'll catch up with you again another time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the first Friday's podcast from the Ignite team. This has been the interview only version of the episode. The full length episode, including music and a time of prayer, is also available wherever you get to your podcasts 
as well as on YouTube where you'll find the original video episode which we live stream on the first Friday of every month at 8pm UK time. In the meantime, you can find us on social media on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at IgniteYEA. We'll see you again next month. God bless.